This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Church, so good to be here with you today. Um, I was thinking as we were singing that song, The Lion and the Lamb, have any of you guys ever seen a lion up close? Yes, no, maybe? Have you ever touched one? I almost touched a giraffe yesterday. Um, I was thinking about that. We went to the zoo yesterday to celebrate uh, kind of Joel's birthday, and that's what we want to do for his birthday, go to the zoo. And uh, he's just a big kid at heart. And uh, anyways... Um, so we went to the zoo and it was amazing because there was this, you know, they have the lion there. And I remember we were sitting there watching, looking at this lion. He's just kind of sitting there and it, it's like one of the exhibits that has the most people around it, you know, because they're just amazing. And you're, we're just kind of in awe and wonder of them. And literally, no joke, the lion like rolled over and everybody was like, Ooh, Oh, you know, like he, he just like, you know, rolled, you know, it's, it's crazy, but as we were singing the song, The Lion, the Lamb, I, I began to think about how in awe of, of that majestic beast that we are and just how powerful and strong and mighty it is. And that's, that's why we're in awe of it, because of its power. And uh, it's, it's just going to think of that's who our God says he is. I'm, I'm the lion. He has that power and strength and might. And yet he doesn't use that power and strength and might to harm us or against us or to force us into anything. It says that he uses, like we said in that second song, that last song, for our good and to our good. And and it's just amazing. That's who our God is. And so I hope that we can just worship him in that today. It's, it's a beautiful picture of who our God, he's this amazing lion and yet all of his strength and power and might he uses for our good and which is kindness towards us. And so we are blessed today. So with that said, happy mother's day, everybody. I hope that, uh, I hope that all the moms in here are having a fantastic day already. I hope that you have been celebrated. I hope that you have been honored because you are special ladies in our lives. And uh, to all our moms in here today, we are grateful for you. And we could never, 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 never thank you enough for all that you do for us. Amen. amen. I'm, all the husbands in here better say amen. You better, you better watch out. Like literally this morning, I woke up and go outside of the, or walk into the living room and Katie's sleeping on the couch because Gideon was up all night. So she was up all night with him, sleeping on the couch, just so that I could have a good night's sleep so that I'm halfway awake here this morning. There's so many untold things that, that you guys do for us moms and, and we're so thankful for you and we want you to, to know that. Um, so with that said, we are going to be continuing through our series in the book of James. And, and if you've been here as we've walked through this series, um, week one, we talked about facing adversity, what it looks like as Christians, as we face adversity, as we go through adversity, the mindset that we should have in it. Week two, we talked about how we should, when God speaks to us, how we can and how we should respond to God. And then last week, week three, we talked about what James says is pure religion. For the Christian. It's a faith that moves us to care for the weak. It's a faith, faith that moves us to care for and stand up for people who can't stand for themselves. And today we're going to talk about, and James is going to talk to us about a faith that is active, a faith that he says with works. And I, I'm going to just be honest with you from the jump. He is going to challenge us a lot today. This is, this is a tough one today. And so he's going to challenge us. He's going to challenge your faith. He's going to talk about essentially that faith without action behind it is worthless. And he's going to say some things to us that are going to push us a little bit. 
and maybe even some things, if we're honest, that might confuse us a little bit in the beginning, but we're going to walk through it. We're going to try to break it down so that we can understand it, that we can be challenged, that we can be encouraged, and that we can live a faith that bears fruit. Amen? Amen. All right, so we are going to start in James chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to start at verse 14, and I'm just going to start reading, and then we're going to break it down. James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So James is starting out strong. And he, what good is it if you have faith without works? Can that faith alone save you? So he starts out, he's bringing the heat. He's firing on all cylinders. And when he says works, I know that word works, you're like, what does that mean? Like if you don't have a job, like what's going on, right? That word works means like deeds or actions. He's saying that faith without actions behind it. And the simple answer is yes, it's our faith that saves us, okay? So let's not get confused. It's our faith that saves us, but, J- but James is going to talk about what a genuine faith looks like. And so James is going to have essentially a blunt discussion with us on the relationship in our lives between faith and the way we live our lives, Faith and what he calls works or faith and action. And he's going to ask us or he starts off asking us this question. And essentially what he's saying is if, if I claim to be a Christian and yet my actions and my lifestyle look nothing what like Jesus says a Christian should look like, is that Christianity? Is that a genuine faith? And so what I want to go ahead and say is what he's not saying, okay? What James is not saying is he is not saying that your works save you. He is not saying it's your deeds that saves your soul. He's not saying it's your actions that save you. He's not saying that you can earn your salvation, okay? That's, that's what he's not saying. I don't, and that's something that confuses us enough as it is, thinking we got to earn it, thinking we got to fight for it, thinking we got to do it on our own. I want you to know from the beginning, what he is not saying is that you can earn your salvation on your own. But what he is saying is that if our faith is genuine, and if our relationship with God is real and true, then there should be something that stands behind it. That there should be some tangible evidence in our lives of that faith. Essentially what he's saying is the words, I'm Christian, without a life that's lived behind it or without actions behind it is essentially useless words. Um, I don't know if you guys have been following this much, but uh, anybody big fans of North Korea? You're like, what do I say here? I don't know where to go with this. Where is, where is, where is my going here? Um, <laughs> if you've been following the news lately, Kim Jong-un's coming out, and he's saying a lot of good things, isn't he? You know what I'm talking about? He's come out, he's saying that he's going to stop pursuing the nuclear program. He's saying he's going to open up the borders. I even saw something somebody posted on Facebook saying that he's going to start allowing Christians into North Korea, and it was on Facebook, so I don't know if you can trust that. I don't even know if that's real. You know, don't, don't, don't believe that. Be like, pastor says, no, no, no. <laughs> Facebook says, we don't trust that. Um, But anyways, uh, so he's been saying all these nice things. He's saying that he's turning over a new leaf, that Kim Jong-un is going to be friendly Kim Jong-un, right? Like, and that's exciting, and that's all well and good, and that sounds great. But at the end of the day, if he has no action behind those words, guess what those words are? Meaningless, right? Meaningless. And so James is essentially saying the same thing. He's going to challenge us by saying, if we claim to be a Christian, then that faith should lead to something in our lives. It should move us to action. It should leave us with a transformed life. Essentially, what he starts out saying to you and I here is that our faith is more than words. It's more than lip service. And then he continues on in verse 15, and he gives us the most basic example of what words without actions look like. He says, if a brother or sister is without 
clothes and lacks daily food. And one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. I've seen this play out in a different direction or in a different way in my own life when I was a young kid, um, how words don't necessarily fit with actions. When we were, when I was like seven or eight, something like that, we had one of those good old Texas thunderstorms at the house where it was like a monsoon. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was like crazy. Like there's tornado warnings going on. It was like the power was shut off. And I remember this vividly, like the power shut off. It was, it was just scary and crazy. And around that time, it, well, it's like at its worst, this cat comes to our doors, this stray cat and is like clawing, like meowing, begging to come inside. Like, you know, it's dangerous outside when the animals are coming to your house. They're like, let us in. You know what I mean? Like, that's not okay. Like arc part two, right? You know, like this is not good. And so this cat is like begging us to come inside. And if you know my dad, my dad hates cats. He hates cats. And so we're little kids. And not only that, he's, he's allergic to them. So there's, there's that, I guess, because it's dangerous for his life. But anyways, so the cat's like begging to come inside. And so me and my brother and sister, who are, uh, we're, we're little kids and we're just begging him, dad, please let the cat come in. Please let the cat come in. Let's, it's going to die out there. And my dad's, you know, no, 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 let it die. I don't care. It's a stupid cat, you know. And then my dad disappears. And in this crazy death storm of Texas, drives to Walmart goes and gets cat food, goes and gets, yeah, oh, yeah, so sweet, goes and gets cat food, goes and gets a litter box for the cat, this random stray cat, which you think is dangerous letting a stray cat in your house, like, dad, what are you thinking? Let's this stray cat in the house, and and eventually that cat becomes our cat, our, our pet, and that were his words were, no, 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 his actions told a different story, didn't it? What's interesting about that, though, is uh, the cat was a stray cat for so long that it didn't know how to use a litter box. So it literally, I'm I'm laying in my bed. I remember it just goes and lays in the litter box and uses it as a bed. And we're like, this is weird. And so it actually was potty trained. It potty trained itself. So it was awesome. But that's a story of words not necessarily leading up to the same thing as actions. And James goes in it in a different way where he says, um, if we see someone who is in need of food and clothing, and if you notice, he doesn't just say anyone, but he specifically points to that person being a brother or sister in Christ. So he's saying, if a brother, sister, if a fellow Christian comes to you in need and all you do is wish them well and you do nothing for them, right? All you do is say, hey, hope that works out for you. He's essentially saying those words are empty and useless and meaningless. Like those foods don't, that, those words doesn't put food on their, in their mouth, does it? Those words don't put clothing on their back. James is saying at the most basic level, right? Food to eat and clothing for the back as even as a Christian, this example, he says he has an opportunity to love on this person, to serve on this person, to provide for this person. Yet all they do is offer lip service. And James asked this very honest question. What good is that? It's not very good, is it? Like if I showed up to your house and I said, hey, man, my my house just burned down. (laughs) I got nothing. I got no food, no clothing, like no money. We, We don't know what to do. And you say, Mike, love your brother. Hope you have a good night's rest. You know what's about to happen? Somebody else's house is about to burn down. James' point is on the most simple level. (laughs) Words without action behind them are meaningless. 
And we get this on a pragmatic level, don't we? I mean, we understand that. And yet when it comes to our faith, somehow there's a disconnect so often. James says, what good is your faith if it moves you to no action? If it, you see someone in the most basic need and it doesn't even stir your heart to provide for them, what kind of a faith is that? A faith that leads you to no transformation is no faith at all. A relationship with God is more than just lip service. A relationship with God is more than just words. James continues in verse 18. He says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works or from my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and they shudder. So he starts off, our faith is more than just words. Not only is our faith more than words, our faith is more than an intellectual belief or knowledge that there is a God. And he uses the demons as an example. He says the demons know that there is a God. Like they, and I'm at at the risk of being heretical, the demons potentially know that there is a God even more than you and I know that there is a God. They have seen him like they know for a fact he is real. We believe he is there because he's transformed us and changed us. They know he is real because they've seen him. <laughs> they shudder. They're scared. They know he's real. And yet that intellectual, I believe that there's a God, is not a saving grace, is it? That's not a saving faith. The saving grace, a saving relationship with Jesus is more than just an intellectual belief. I believe that there's a God. Whenever I... Uh, I've told you all this story before, but when I was in my early 20s, I kind of had a faith crisis, didn't know if I believed in God, didn't know, didn't know, you know, just, just, I I was confused. I didn't know what was going on. And so I spent some time searching and seeking and reading um, just different atheists and and just kind of, just trying to figure out what I believed, you know? And so I spent this time doing that. And at the end of the day, I came back around and, and just Jesus made more sense to me. Faith in Christ made more sense to me. And so in my head, I went, this makes the most sense, Right? But what's interesting is there, about that is it didn't stop there. It didn't just go, yeah, I think this is right. That intellectual belief, that knowledge moved to a relationship. It didn't just stay in, yeah, I believe in a God. It moved to a relationship with God where I experienced God, and that relationship with God moved my life into action. Does that make sense? It moved from just a, an idea to action in my life that was a transforming grace in my life. A relationship with God isn't just an intellectual idea. A relationship with God is one where the gospel transforms us and moves us. It changes your life. And it plays out in all kinds of different ways. Last week, we talked about how as we grow in a relationship with God, we begin to understand who God is. And when we begin to understand who he is, we begin to understand his heart. And as we understand his heart, his heart becomes our heart. And so because our God's heart is for the weak, our God's heart is for those who can't stand for themselves, then our heart becomes a heart that can't that stands for those who can't stand for themselves. You see what I'm saying? You see how this works out and fleshes out in our lives? I had a, a friend, I have a friend who's a missionary, and I talked to him about why he decided to become a missionary because he got saved at like age 40, he became a Christian at age 40. And like around age 45 or so, he moved to a foreign country to become a missionary. And I was like, why, like, what happened? What was the change? What was the, what, what made that happen? And as he talked to me, he said, I went to this country, I saw the need, I understood the need, but it wasn't just an intellectual, yeah, there's a need there. I get it. There was something that the gospel did that Jesus did in his relationship with God that moved him and stirred him in a way that he had to do something. 
It's more than just an intellectual, yeah, it's there, but something that works deep inside us. Our faith is more than words. Our faith is more than just an intellectual belief that, yeah, there's a God. Our faith is a relationship with God that produces action in our lives. Verse 20, James says, foolish man, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? He's, he's pounding this home, isn't he? And by the way, that word there for foolish means empty. So he's essentially saying empty man. Your faith without works is empty. Verse 21, wasn't Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works and by works, faith was perfected. So the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited, credited to him for righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messenger and sent them out by a different route? 26, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. And so he begins this final section. He tells two stories, one about Abraham. He tells a story about Rahab. And he says, man is not justified, justified by faith alone. He uses their lives as an example. And I want to say this again, that he, what he is not saying is that by their actions, they earn their salvation. He is not saying that you can earn your salvation by anything that you do. It's, it's not, it's not, that's not how it works. But what he is saying is he's giving examples of two people whose actions did not save their souls, but actions that proved what they believed. Does that make sense? Their actions proved what they believed. Not that their actions saved them, but through their actions, we can see their faith. Let me put it to you this way. The life you live tells a story about what you truly believe. The life you live tells a story about what you truly believe. And in our actions, we see the results of our actions, and the results of our actions tell a story. Last week, I came home early in the morning, and uh, it was like 7.30 or 8, and so I come walking in the door, and usually when I come home around that time, um, <laughs> Gideon and Katie are up, and they're eating breakfast and stuff, and so I walk in the door, and he's like, Dad, and it's like, it's one of those moments in the mornings that I look forward to, you know, he comes in, he's like, Dad, I runs to me, he shows me what they're eating and stuff, and it's great. Well, this particular morning, I come in, and it's just like eerily quiet. There's nobody, and I'm I'm going... This is weird. What's like, it's one of those moments that makes you a little uncomfortable because you're like, what is happening? And so I walk in our bedroom and I'm looking for Katie and Gideon and they're not in there. And so I walk out and I'm like, what is, what is happening? And so I walk back in the living room and about that time, Gideon comes running in. And it's like this run where he's like hopping on one foot, you know, like skirting in, butt naked. And he's like, dada. And I'm like, hey, bud. And he goes, diaper. And I'm like, yeah, you need a diaper. <laughs> And so then he grabs my hand. And I'm like, what is going on? He leads me to my office. I open the office door and there is Katie just like paper towels in hand, disheveled, like with the crazy eyes. You know what I'm talking about? Got the crazy eyes going on. And I'm looking, there's books everywhere. There's coffee spilled all over the floor. I had left out, I'm ashamed to say this, I had left out some apples and peanut butter that I was munching on the day before. There's peanut butter smeared everywhere. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my goodness. And let me tell you this, Katie did not have to tell me what had happened. <laughs> 
Like she she did not have to explain to me that she had nothing to do with this. You know, it wasn't like, hey, let's go destroy daddy's office. Right? You know, it wasn't that. I knew as soon as I saw, I knew exactly what had happened. And we, we put Gideon in a big boy bed. And so now he gets up in the mornings and comes and gets in the bed with us. Except this day, he just decided to take a detour. <laughs> and that detour was daddy's office, right? But the results of our actions tell a story. The life we live tells a story. I didn't need anybody to explain to me what had happened. And the life we live plays a story. And this plays out in our own lives as well. For Abraham and Rahab, their faith, their actions told a story. Abraham taking his son Isaac to the altar to sacrifice him to God revealed to us a trust and faith in Jesus. Rahab, the prop, the prostitute by sneaking those guys in and hiding those guys um, in her house, those Israelite spies, she told a story about what she was trusting, what she put her faith in. And our faith in God leads to obedience of God because of our trust in God. And in our lives, the lives we live tell a story and we see the results of what we believe in based on the life we live. In our obedience or disobedience, it tells a story about our faith. That obedience leads to action. It leads to transformation. And and as Christians, it can lead to a great adventure. (laughs) It also can lead to some risks. God might call us to take some risks, but regardless of what that looks like in your life today, the life you live tells a story. Our faith is more than words. Our faith is more than just an intellectual belief. Yeah, I believe there's a God. It is a relationship with God that calls us as Christians to obedience and submission that leads to action in our lives. And that together tells a story about our faith. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 7, verses 16 through 20. He says, you'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from the thorn bushes or figs from the thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you will recognize them by their fruit. The life we live tells a story about what we believe. Jesus says it real simply here. Essentially, it will be easy to tell who's a Christian. It will be easy to tell who you can trust by the fruit of their lives by the fruit of their lives. What does your life produce? I was reading a book the other day, and it was this pastor telling a story, and he said that he was at an evangelism conference, and uh, which sounds like a lot of fun. And so he's at an evangelism conference, and uh, he's staying at this hotel. He goes down to the hotel. He sits in the hot tub, and he said as he was sitting in the hot tub, he began to think about the conference and, and pray and ask God to bring him some, you know, some way to evangelize, like, you know, what I, I don't know. He's praying about that stuff and which is cool. And uh, as he's doing, he said, these three guys come in, they're holding a bottle of Jack. They get in the hot tub with them and they just start talking. And so he's like, this is good. We're having a conversation. Maybe God's providing an answer to my prayer. And he says about halfway through the conversation, the guys pull out some cocaine. They start snorting Coke <laughs> right in front of him. And like, he went a different direction than I would have. I would have been like, peace. I'm out. Good luck. You know, like get out of here. He stayed and hung out with them and talked, like, which is totally different than what I would have been thinking, right? And anyway, so he stays, starts having a conversation, and that conversation leads to, what do you do for a living? And I know you guys aren't pastors. Uh, as a pastor, I hate telling people what I do for a living. 
It's like this crazy thing. When I tell people, they say, what do you do for a living? As soon as I tell them I'm a pastor, they change. Like they become a totally different person. Like it's a superpower that I have. I can literally make you somebody that you're not just by being around you. You know what I mean? It's amazing. <laughs> but anyway, so he tells them he's a pastor and uh, something interesting happens. Instead of them going, oh, we've just been doing cocaine in front of a pastor. This guy goes, hey, man, can you tell me what it means to be a Christian? I said, why? I said, well, he said, I have some friends who in the last year have become Christians. And man, I got to tell you, like, it's crazy. Like, they're totally different people. Like, their lives are changed. Like, it's, I don't even understand it. Like, what is this? I can tell you exactly what it is. That's the fruit of their faith. That is a faith that leads to life change that these guys who are sitting in a hotel snorting cocaine can see. What does your life produce? And ultimately, that's the question that James is asking us today when he says faith without works is meaningless. He's saying, you call yourself a Christian. What is your life producing? Is it an intellectual belief, right? A belief that, that, that yeah, I believe it, but it's in, it doesn't infiltrate my life. Or is it a faith and a relationship with God that moves us to action, a faith that moves us to obedience, a faith that produces vibrant fruit in your life? Sometimes I get, I get worried because I feel like we have reduced our faith to something that it's not. Sometimes I feel like we make it something that it's not. And I'll give you an example. I've told you guys this story before, but it's an example of like where this is most blatant, I think, around us. I had a friend who, well, a guy I worked with, and uh, this was back, I used to sell pool tables. So a guy I worked with, I was selling pool tables. So you need a pool table? I can hook you up. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, old housing is the best, right? Um, anyways, this guy I was talking to, or this guy that worked with me, and he went to a funeral. And uh, at this funeral, he said that he began to get worried about whether or not he was going to go to heaven or hell. And so he went and he talked to the preacher and he said, I talked to the preacher and, and he was like excited as he's telling me this story. So I talked to the preacher and I told him, you know, when I was 12, I went down and prayed a prayer and asked Jesus, you know, you know, into my heart or whatever. He said, but to be honest with you, I've never really gone back to church again. I've never really lived a Christian life. I've never really like followed Christ. Like that was basically his story. And, I, and I'm not condemning the man. I'm telling you what he told me. So I've never, you know, basically that faith has never played out into my life. It hasn't led to any action in my life. But hey, one time when I was a kid, I like said a prayer. So am I good. And he said that preacher patted him on the shoulder and said, don't worry, brother, you're going to heaven. And this was during the time where I wasn't even sure if I'm a Christian and I'm like, bro, that ain't right. Something's messed up there. Like I didn't even know if I was a Christian and I knew it was twisted, right? <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. And at the risk of offending, I would say that that's not faith. That's not a relationship with God. And, and I'm not judging that man. What I'm simply saying is that he was claiming a faith that had produced nothing in his life. And James, if you notice, ends this section by saying a faith without works is dead. Not because we have to earn it. Not because you earn your salvation. But because if we're Christians, that faith, that relationship with God will produce fruit in our lives. And that's a faith that moves us to action. And I would say what James is talking about here, we need to take very seriously that essentially if there's no evidence of your faith in your life, you may need to take a second look at that faith. And this was, if I'm honest with you, a very, very tough section for me this week. 
Like, this is not what you want to jump up and preach about on Mother's Day. You know what I mean? Like, I, have, I but I have a pastor friend who's preaching about hell today. So, hey, at least you're not there. <laughs> but this was a tough section for me because, I honestly, I had to do some soul searching of my own here. Like, not that I don't think I'm a Christian, but I had to ask myself the question, Mike, what is being produced in you? What's being produced? What is your faith producing in your own life? And, and I would say this, that, that I would challenge you to do that very same soul searching today. My hope for you, my desire for you here at the River Church is that you have a vibrant faith, that you have a faith that stirs you to action, that you have a faith that stirs you to obedience, that you have a faith that because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of our God, who is the lion, who is for us, who is for your good, that you have a vibrant faith that produces precious fruit in your life. And my hope for you is that. And I want you to know that at the River Church, I am and we are deeply committed to you. We are deeply committed to helping you walk deeply with Jesus, living a vibrant faith that because of the gospel of Christ, your life is forever changed. A faith that produces fruit in your life. And I would say that this, that maybe you're not quite sure what that looks like today, or maybe as I'm talking about this, you're going, man, I'm not sure what my faith has actually been producing in my own life. I would encourage you to do some soul searching, do some seeking. We're going to sing some songs and we're going to pray. And I would encourage you to, to take advantage of that time. Talk to Jesus. There'll be people down here that you can hang out with, that you can talk to. And if you say, I don't want to do any of that, but I still don't know where I am. I want to tell you this. There's some communication cards in your chairs. And there's a, there's a little check our little box on there that says coffee with the pastor. And I would say this, I would say, if you don't know where you are, check that box, right? In there, a little memo line, what's going on? Put your name on it, maybe a phone number. And know that I will reach out to you this week. I will talk to you and we can get together and we can talk about how this can play out in your life. How can you have a deep, vibrant faith that produces fruit? I love you, I'm for you. We will walk deeply in that together, okay? Let's pray. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're the lion who fights for us, God. Jesus, thank you for this word from James, one that challenges us to look at our faith deeply and ask that question, what is my life producing? What is my, what is my faith producing? God? It's not our actions that save us other than coming to you and falling before you and asking you to save our souls, God. But the life we live tells a story about what we believe. The life we live tells a story about our faith. And let that story that we tell, God, for everyone in here at the River Church, let the story that we live be one of a vibrant faith, a vibrant life that produces fruit that walks deeply with Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.